Texas. They say everything's bigger here, and they're right. We've got big cars, big hearts, and even bigger stakes. This is beef country, Texas. Home to the Alamo, the Cowboys, and the largest military installation known to man. So big, it has a big name. Fort Hood, the great place. It's got a Texas-sized podcast as well. And this is it, right here. Fort Hood's great big podcast. Yeehaw. Beautiful day. It is. It Spring is. is here, right? Oh my God. Well, the temperatures uh, recently, maybe summer. 60s in the morning, 80s by this afternoon. Yeah. That's nice. I just bought a new cactus. You so did. I'm excited about that. Yeah. A succulent. A succulent. Yes, we already had one cactus. We've named it. We've okay. named that. That's a sign that we need to start uh, having kids. Yeah. But we've, uh, we've named the cactus. It's called uh, Hanachan. That's Japanese for f- little flower. Because when we bought it, it had a little flower on it. Okay. Right? And it's grown flower quite a off. bit. Yeah, it did. Never oh, came man. back. <laughs> but uh, it's grown quite a bit. And now we've got a new one. Uh, it's, uh, you know, the, the paddle kind of prickly pear okay. cactus. It's one of those. It's really tiny. And we've named it uh, Texas. Do you ever eat prickly pear? Yeah, I have. I had a prickly pear jam in Arizona. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. I've never had it in a jam. I think I've had it in tacos before. Candy, too. Really? Yeah, they make candy over there. Out of cactuses. Yep. They must have a lot of free time on their hands. Prickly, prickly pear candy. Free time. Yeah. Speaking of free time and hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Boy, you haven't heard that at all recently, have you? Yeah. Hey, what song do you use to wash your hands? Oh, oh! I remember my kids, man, when they were really little, mm-hmm. the Teletubbies were big. And they had this little thing, wash, 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 tubby, tubby, tubby. That's how we taught the kids how to wash their hands. Really? Yeah, you get 20 <laughs> seconds out of it. I just counted 20. One, <laughs> two, three. Hey, Teletubbies were big back in the day. Oh, that's true. They, I think they still are. They're coming back. Are they? Yes, they are. Wow. I'm going to have to tell my 20-year-old. According to the internet, and we know everything on the internet is so reliable. Absolutely. On February 20th, our February 20th episode, go back, listen to it. Yeah, we did. We first talked coronavirus. Mm-hmm. COVID-19, as it is called. It had just been named that like mm-hmm. the week prior. Right. And we were really quick out the gate to alert our listenership to this and what they can do to protect themselves about it. Well, right now, fast forward, it's here in America right yep. now. You, there's no getting away from that. You see it, the news, you just can't escape it. Facebook news, Twitter, coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus. All day, every day. And uh, folks around town, even though it's not even close to here, 
you're seeing the effects of it in the stores here. So we wanted to reach out and tell everyone, hey, settle down. Settle down. It's good to be prepared. It's always good to be prepared for anything. Yep. In fact, the Army preaches disaster preparedness. We have a whole month. Army ready. Yeah. Ready Army. Ready Army. Like that. Ready, ready Army. Be ready Army. Yeah. All that. But uh, we wanted to put the word out that one, hey, calm down, dudes. And number two, we're prepared for whatever they throw at us. So today we've got two experts coming in that are going to give you the honest-to-gosh, straight talk from the U.S. Army here at Fort Hood about what's going down here and where we are with it and what you can do and how you should just chillax. Netflix and chill, dudes. Chillax. Netflix and chill. What, am I too white for that? I don't know. I think I say chillax, but now that I think about it, no one ever responds. Yeah. Well, whatever you do, (laughs) whatever you do, We've got something you're really going to want to hear coming right up after these commercial messages. So stay tuned and get ready to be edumacated. We don't do commercials. PSAs. Public service announcement. Yes. Okay. So after you're done fast forwarding through this next little bit, (laughs) you can listen to the straight dope from the U.S. Army. This is the real deal, folks. Here we go. What is Fort Hood? It's a community made up of those who serve and have served. Soldiers, civilians, we all play our part. Okay, did that get your attention? No? How about this? <laughs> attention newly arrived soldiers and family members here at The Great Place. Fort Hood hosts the Soldier and Family Newcomers Orientation each and every Wednesday from 8.15 a.m. to 3 p.m. at Club Hood. There's free on-site child care available, a free seminar for spouses, and even a free lunch. Besides all that free stuff, newcomers receive useful information about key community programs and services available to them here at The Great Place. Are you new to Fort Hood and need to know more? Call 254-287-7438. That's 254-287-7438. Oh yeah, and welcome to The Great Place. Welcome home. No, you're not gonna die, die gun. Now go wash your hands and settle down. Fort Hood's great big podcast. And we're back. And we are back with Colonel Jeffrey Yarvis, Deputy Commanding Officer of the Carl R. Darnell Army Medical Center. Sir, thanks for being here. Great to talk about what good things Darnell's doing. Okay, and we got Colonel Stephen Finder. And he is the preventive medicine and health doctor for Three Corps, sir. Thank you. Yes, I'm glad to be here too. That's the public health doctor. Oh, I'm sorry, public health. I wrote That's it okay. down wrong. Fact based. We are fact based. So there we go. <laughs> Even if we misspeak, we will correct it. We have fact checkers. Fifty percent of the time, we're right. Fifty percent of the time, <laughs> <laughs> except for today, where we're going to be right a hundred percent of the time. Exactly. And gentlemen. You guys, as senior medical professionals here on Fort Hood, are here to talk about coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, where do you start? I mean, it's all over the Goodness. news. It's all over the news. Where do you start? It's, everybody's talking about it. But here at Fort Hood, 
Correct me if I'm wrong, there's not a case of anybody that's been exposed to coronavirus within 100 miles of the post, right? That's correct. And uh, yeah, everybody should take a deep breath and understand that the safety and health of our population is priority number one. And there are absolutely no cases right now of anybody returning from downrange or in our local community that have tested positive. Mm-hmm. Colonel Finder, the uh, coronavirus, compared to the flu or compared to what, what, what's gone before it, because it seems like the national, regional, and now local media are just diving all over it. That's a very good question. And uh, let's put this in perspective compared to just your, we've had other uh, epidemics in the past. Mm -hmm. Since I graduated from medical school in 1982, we've had the AIDS epidemic. We had swine flu in the 19, in around 86. We've had SARS, we've had MERS, we've had Ebola, and now we have coronavirus. This is, and by the way, the SARS and the MERS were both a different kind of coronavirus. Mm -hmm. But to put this in perspective, First, talking about epidemics in general, whenever something new shows up, we tend to always see the worst possible cases because all we're seeing when these cases come up and we're actually identifying the first few cases, the first few hundred cases, the first few thousand cases mm -hmm. are the sickest people. Right. All of a sudden, we have a, a history of a bunch of sick people who have this disease, and in some cases, they're dying. In other cases, they get they recover, but we don't really know what the attack rate is. We don't really know what the the uh, infectious rate is, and over time, as we get a better sense of what's happening with this disease, you know, it always gets better. I mean, AIDS is a perfect example. Uh, I'm old enough to remember, because <laughs> I was actually involved in some of the early AIDS stuff at Walter Reed right. uh, when I was an intern. Wow. And, um, you know, there were people writing articles in the paper that everybody, 100% of the United States, would get AIDS at some point in the next 30 years. Oh, I remember that. I remember when they um, said, sometime in your life, someone in your family right. will have it. You will know someone with AIDS. Oh, and it was even worse than that. It, people, everyone was going to get it. I mean, they were looking at this linear curve of AIDS and they were saying, okay, if we project this now for the next 25 years, right. it's going to be 500 million people. In the U.S., and we only had about 250. Right. It's like everybody got it twice. <laughs> exactly. And Steve's, Double AIDS. And Steve's right. I mean, the uh, Colonel Finder's right. This is something that w the first tests that were done were done on the sickest people. Yes. So, right. of course, the mortality rates will appear higher than they will be as this levels out and is leveling out. Mm -hmm. And what we, what we find as time goes on is that we start realizing that there are people who didn't get sick. Not so much from AIDS, but from like swine flu and from, from MERS and from and from SARS, mm -hmm. and we learn better how to treat the disease, and this mortality rate goes down. But there's been really a couple of interesting natural experiments that have occurred in the last two months that really tell us a lot about this. Experiment? These are natural experiments, okay. not real experiments. Like we, So we didn't plan this stuff. This kind of happened, and we're like, hey, this is happening. And we you can, can look at the data and say, hey, this tells us a lot about the disease. Tell me more. And the first one was the Diamond Princess, the cruise ship that docked in Japan. Mm -hmm. So here we had a cruise ship with 3,700 people on board, 3,700 passengers and crew. One or two people got on board in Hong Kong. They were roaming around the ship for a number of days in really close quarters. You have to get in line to go to food, get food. And everywhere you go on a cruise ship, right. it's, it's tight. Mm -hmm. And before anyone realized that they were sick, so they were spreading the disease. At the end of the process, we put everybody in quarantine. We started testing. Everyone in that ship was tested. Mm -hmm. 700, I think 705 people out of 3,700 people on the cruise ship. Actually, it was 3,750, I think. 
ended up getting the disease. That's an attack rate. That's the rate of how fast the disease will attack right. of less than 20%. Right. That's pretty similar to the flu. Now, put some examples of other attack rates. Norovirus. This is the one that you hear about these cruise ships where half the people get sick. Sure. Mm-hmm. This is the one you start vomiting and you throw up and you wish you were dead for two days and then you feel better, but right. the person next to you is now sick. Right. That has an attack rate of about 50%. So if you have a cruise ship of 3,700, you'd easily get 2,000 to 2,500 people sick. Only had 700. Mm-hmm. So this tells you right there and then that this, this virus, it is infectious, but it's not terribly infectious. It's not right. the most infectious disease I've ever seen, which I heard one person on TV say. Right. Yeah, he was a doctor, and he said it was the most infectious disease I've ever seen, and that's nowhere near the truth. Well, maybe he doesn't get out much. He doesn't get out <laughs> much. And I'll tell you, a disease like measles, yeah. now we don't see measles much, but we do see cases popping up here and there because mm-hmm. we don't vaccinate. But uh, measles is probably the most infectious disease out there. If this had been like measles, you would have had 3,500 people on board that ship sick. Right. So 700 versus 3,500 is mm-hmm. not as infectious. Uh, so that was one natural experiment. Okay. And the second natural experiment has actually occurred in Korea. This is that church down in, um, what is that, Daegu province. Yes. And the Korean government has gone in and actually essentially identified all members and tested them. And what we found out was that approximately 80% of them who have the disease were very mild. Were mild cases. And when I say mild cases, talking with the surgeon, the United States Forces Korea surgeon, Mm -hmm. he said they were very mild, which means practically no symptoms. Mm-hmm. 15% were sick and 5% were very sick. But where this natural experiment comes out is that we have now had the ability to test everybody who was exposed in a super spreader kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. And what we discovered is if you look at the numbers for Korea, they've got like 7,000 cases, most of them out of this church, right. and they have like 54 deaths. They have a death rate of less than 1%. You know, not the 3% or 2% you're hearing in the news, right. but actually a percentage less than one. So this tells you right there that this disease probably isn't as dangerous as the diseases that we, that people are saying in the, on and TV. And striking the most vulnerable people in the population. Because the only right. ones we're counting are the ones who are sick. When you go and count the ones who weren't sick and you do your statistics, right. it's not that bad, which is what we get with flu. Mm-hmm. It appears, and this is, now this is my opinion, I, I, you know, not the army's opinion. This is my opinion. Sure, sure. But my opinion is that you know every every year we get a strain of the flu that tends to be relatively mild as the flu goes. We still get sixty thousand deaths, forty thousand deaths in the U.S. Sure, but it's relatively mild because we count the ten million, twenty million people. So, so this year alone, for example, I got the numbers here. We've had about thirty-four to forty-nine million people in the U.S. to get the flu. This is with vaccination. Mm-hmm. And we've had twenty to 52,000 deaths. We're still trying to get the count because it's still an ongoing process. Right. And it seems that this virus is probably a little bit more dangerous than that virus. Right. But every five or ten years, we get a strain of the flu that's a little bit more dangerous. And this is probably right in line with that. Now, the very famous 1919 Spanish flu uh, that killed uh, 60 million people worldwide. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. That flu had an attack, a death rate, I'm sorry, not an attack rate, but a death rate of about 10%. Right. Which is far less than the less than 1% that this coronavirus seems to have. When you look at people who were not, who did not get sick. 
Sure. But who, are, but who got the virus? Sure. Put that in perspective, Ebola has a, a death rate of about 40 to 60 percent. That's one that we recently, you know, have talked right. about in the, you know, we've heard a few years ago. A smallpox has a, had a death rate of about 50 percent, 60 percent. And rabies that we never think about because no one ever gets rabies. And actually 50,000 people a year die from rabies worldwide has a 100 percent attack uh, death rate. Wow. So, so you can see this coronavirus is, you know, it, it is infectious. It can cause people to die, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem to be any worse than, an, than your sort of every 10 or so year flu. Mm-hmm. And nowhere near as bad as the bad flu of 1919. Then explain something to me. Because, and I'm, I'm speaking for the everyman here, okay? I turn on my TV, I go on the internet, what do I see? China, walled off cities, don't come to China. South Korea, don't come here. Japan, they're stopping people from China and Korea coming there. You got Italy, Italy's now all quarantined, don't go there. New York calling out the National Guard. What If it's not that bad, what's up with that? Well, I think the government's taking a, a containment policy that makes sense. Um, there's, the con- you know, there's the concern when you don't know what you're looking at that things can get worse. And so before they knew or had data on that, it makes sense. Some of these countries don't have the kind of healthcare system that we have. Uh, the way that they respond uh, to these cases is different than we have. Um, uh, in some cases, people are clustered together, not following the CDC's guidance on uh, social distancing and a prop- appropriate space between people. So there are a number of factors that are contributing to this concern. I think our government's taking it very seriously, but also weighing that against uh, some of the things that Colonel Fonder just mentioned. And of course, our media is something that our government doesn't control, and and, right. and uh, everybody wants to be the first to break the story or talk about the one case that got out of hand. And and so I think that's the other thing that Colonel Finder kind of alluded to, that the sample sizes of what goes wrong uh, is concerning. So, for example, uh, people getting sick in the state of Washington, but these people are in a nursing home, many of which are already in hospice care and likely to succumb to other illnesses that are co-occurring mm-hmm. with the coronavirus. Sure. Uh, skews sort of the perception of what happens to the general population, as Colonel Finder alluded to, when you're exposed to this, in which case, as he talked about in the Korea experiment, um, most people had mild reactions to it. In fact, I think the gentleman that was on one of those princess cruises that they highlighted, this couple that was older, uh, and he ended up becoming positive along the wait to come back to port, he described yesterday in the news that on a, the flus he's had in the past, that the coronavirus was a two on a scale of 10. Oh, wow. and, yeah. and so um, I think that that's why I think it's important that we do this right now, because mm-hmm. we, we have people like Colonel Finder who are preventive medicine doctors saying as an authority figure and uh, hospitals like ours who are well poised to handle these things that everybody, it's okay to be concerned, but your health authorities are all over this. Your health authorities are drilling and preparing for this, and, and and your health authorities are reminding you that the things you normally do to protect yourself are still extremely effective. Washing your hands, keeping your hands away from your face. If you're having symptoms of any infectious disease, like the regular flu, like the norovirus, stay home. Don't get your colleagues sick. Um, you know, cover your mouth when you cough. Wear a mask if you're going out in public if you think you're sick. And self-monitor, so if it becomes something that warrants 
uh, hospitalization, then you, you present to the emergency room or call a hotline to find out from a, a nurse who's an expert in this on how to get care that's appropriate for you. In some cases, you may be told to self-quarantine, which means stay at home and self-monitor. And if your symptoms worsen, present. Um, obviously, if they become intolerable, obviously you want to take care of that. You understand your body better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And then let the experts take over and let you know what to do. And I just want to add on to what Colonel Yarvis just said, because he's absolutely correct. And um, I think we're taking this very seriously because I think we need to. Even though we don't think this is really a serious problem, we don't know for sure what it will be. So we have to be, we have to be you know, you always worry about the worst case scenario. But I think you also have to understand that what you read and hear in the media, on the Internet, uh, people have reasons for saying what they say. One of the big reasons is we know from, I mean, just the history of, of media. If it bleeds, it leads. Yeah, you right. know, if it's, if it's bad news, people want to read about it. Mm-hmm. If you write a story about a dog, you know, what's that story? Dog bites Dog man. bites man. Yeah, versus man bites dog. Um, but the point... <laughs> so well, his man bites dog. For that, a lot of people who write is. these articles, it's really about getting clicks. It's about getting people to watch their TV shows. To listen to the advertising. I mean, I hate to say that, but that's really some truth to that. Kind of, uh, but the Fort Hood community, mm-hmm. and what makes us a little bit different than other places is that we have our members, our soldiers, coming in from all over the world, mm-hmm. and we're in the we're in a we're in a small community. I think the the soldiers returning from Korea last weekend. Uh, some of the questions we had heard on social media from the community was okay, what are we doing to screen these soldiers and make sure that they're fine? What, what, what are the procedures to bring our soldiers home? Yeah, why, why aren't these guys in quarantine? Yeah, that, that, that was kind of where it was going. Very That's what people were saying. Very well, smart questions. And, and let me address that because I got involved in that directly. So I, reach, I reached out to the surgeon who's the, um, the United States Forces Korea surgeon who happens to be an infectious disease doctor, very well known in the field. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked about that via email. And basically, when they first saw the situation happening in Daegu province, which is in a different part of Korea, you know, they, they essentially restricted all soldiers to post, right. those who were, you know, in, the, in this exercise. Now, people who were in Korea, living in Korea as part of a, of a PCS move or, you know, that's a different story. They were off post and there being a lot, of, a lot of programs to deal with those. But the soldiers who sure. were our soldiers over there were essentially restricted to the base for the last several weeks as the flight started coming back. And so these, these soldiers basically spent 14 days in kind of like a quarantine in Korea. Right. In talking to him, it was his belief that they were well insulated, that they were wrapped up in their own little bubble and isolated from the Korean population quite significantly. Plus, before they boarded the planes, they did a very in-depth screening of each individual before getting on the plane. Those who had any symptoms were pulled off of the plane. My understanding was that there was no one pulled off the plane, but they were planning to. Right. When they arrived here, you know, we set up a process where they were also being screened immediately upon arriving at the plane, and then they would be taken to the hospital if there was any complications. And there were none. We had nobody who was sick on arrival. I think it's a really good question, though. Um, And just I want to remind everybody, too, that when you've traveled on vacation to Miami or you went to Orlando for Disney World or you traveled overseas on vacation, you're likely to come back 
with some kind of crud that you picked up on the plane. You're coming back to the state of Texas. We're also, we're at high flu and allergy season. So you might have hay fever or cedar fever. You might also experience some of that. I went TDY recently just for a couple of days and my throat was scratchy and I had a little bit of a fever for a couple of days. So in those moments, it's really important for people to not overreact to that and what they're seeing in the media and say, okay, well, what would I do if I were sick? I'm going to stay home. I'm not going to get other people sick. I'm going to do good hygiene. I'm going to distance myself from my family members a little bit. You know, I'm not talking, you know, maybe you sleep on the couch for the night or something, but you uh, take precautions to protect yourself and those around you. And again, if your symptoms worsen uh, and you can't tolerate it, come on in and uh, we'll check you out. And of course, we have a hotline where you can call and ask a public health nurse who has the expertise to deal with infectious diseases. That number is 254-553-6612. It's man 24-7. They will tell you what to do, either stay home or come on in and present to the emergency department at Darnall. Uh, We will meet you outside. And and that way we also, if you're in the emergency department for something else, we're not uh, exposing you to uh, others who might be sick or having you expose others who may not have been exposed. So the the chances are you are suffering from some, um, you know, something pretty normal. I'll give you an example. We've had a couple soldiers come back from South Korea. They, they were home for about nine days. Um, They presented with a flu and and the doctors will ask you questions like, so what else is going on? And, and uh, oh, my kid's home with a rhinovirus. Okay. I bet that's what you have. Of course, we run all the upper respiratory panels that we do to protect you. And of course, you know, 99.9% or 100% of the time so far, all of those folks have been negative for corona. But they've, guess what? They've tested positive for the rhinovirus if that's what their kid had or flu A if that's what their spouse had. So again, uh, it's quite possible if you've traveled recently and you pick up the crud when you travel. Um, of course, the CD, we're following the CDC guidelines very, very strictly. Mm-hmm. And they're putting out things like if you're 80 and above and you have a Im- suppressed immune system, probably not good to take a cruise right now or one of these long trips. Sure. Um, but, but as uh, Colonel Finder mentioned a little while ago, um, if you're healthy and you travel typically well and you are exposed to the regular flu or the corona, you're likely to be fine or have low threshold symptoms. You know, it's interesting. This weekend I went out shopping and uh, went to several stores across the area because I'm not great at following what I have on the to-get list. You know, you go home, you always forget something. you got to go <laughs> back out. And But I, I made it a point to go and see what products might be missing from stores. And so, yeah, I saw uh, depleted amounts of toilet paper for some reason. When, when we get nervous I here, mean, we, always, we always grab the TP, you know. Um, I saw isopropyl rubbing alcohol uh, flying out the door. I saw hydrogen peroxide, hand sanitizer. There's no need to, to stock up on this stuff unless you own stock in these companies. And actually, you can get the same benefit for most of those. I don't, not the toilet paper, but from just <laughs> washing your hands with soap and water. Well, you'll be yeah. washing your hands if you don't have toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, that's too. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should still use the, wash your hands after using the toilet paper, but that's another story. Absolutely. Uh, can I step back about something I want to oh, bring, yeah. talk about? We, um, I, I keep reading articles in the paper every once in a while that are saying that the government's not doing enough, that there's no there's no efforts being made to prevent this or to, to have an impact or to protect American citizens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I can't say why that was written the way it was written. The CDC set up their 
Emergency Operations Center back in January. I think it was the second or third week of January. The CDC opened their Emergency Operations Center. That's a big move. Mm-hmm. Um, over the last three weeks or two weeks, there have been hundreds. I, I have spent hundreds of hours. Uh, I mean, not hundreds of hours, my time, but definitely hundreds of hours of time of the command here at Fort Hood, both the hospital command, the Fort Hood command, all the services. I mean, everybody in this operation center here for three corps has been actively involved in coronavirus. Sure. And this goes up the chain of command all the way to the top of the Department of the Army. It goes to the hospital command systems. The same thing is happening in Department of Health Human Services. Mm-hmm. The same thing is happening all the way down through all the counties and the health departments in all the states and all the cities. In fact, we've been working with the Bell County. Right, if I might add to that, we're fully integrated into our local health authorities, our uh, chief of public health for the hospital and, and preventive medicine physicians have been interacting with the local health authorities. Uh, and uh, we continue to share information. We also meet regularly with the CEOs of the local hospitals so that our, we have an integrated delivery system. And uh if this were to escalate into something the public should be concerned about, and I want to say again that that is not the threshold we are at, mm-hmm. um, then we have the ability to suspend certain services here at Fort Hood to care for our population right. and shift some care to the local population, which we do for everything we have going on. If a unit comes home from deployment or if we have a certain need on population, a uh, certain uh, medical uh, concern that affects the entire Fort Hood community, we are integrated with that healthcare community, and we couldn't perform without our community partners. Um, and uh, they count on us; we count on them. We have memorandums of agreement and understanding for a variety of services. Um, and we, and most importantly, particularly in the area of coronavirus, we share constant information. So they can tell us about trends they're seeing from their communities and their consumers, and we can share trends with them. And we, and we can say, how are you getting after that? And again, a lot of what Colonel Finder and I are describing are reminding the public uh, that there's nothing to panic about, that our hospitals are well prepared for this type of event. These are things that we do. Um, and we normally screen people who have upper respiratory symptoms for a variety of the flu. We have very detailed panels that uh, co- uh, cover down on everything from SARS to the new COVID-19 uh, and, um, and the hospital actually trains on these types of things, right? Absolutely. And this is actually a great opportunity for us to look at ourselves. And we have actually been drilling that. And I'm glad you mentioned that because you may come to the facility and see us actually wearing protective garments and masks and escorting a patient with a mask on. These are not active coronavirus cases. These are people who are role-playing for us um, what would happen if we did actually have a positive case? How would we isolate them? How would we move them through the hospital off stage so that the bulk of the people attending the hospital are not exposed to them? Right. How do we engage our EMS systems? So how do we move somebody off the vehicle to the hospital? How do we clean rooms after somebody's been in it? We run at the level of granularity of how does our cleaning crew of the hospital get protected after they clean up after a patient. So that's the level of fidelity that we're at. Um, And so it's really important for the public to understand, just like we would train for an active shooter situation or we would train for a mass casualty situation, that we do these things so that we can protect the public when ultimately we're faced with 
uh, a pandemic situation or a severe crisis. And I just want to say again, we are not at that, but uh, Carl R. Darnell stands ready to do that. And uh, I feel very confident as one of the leaders in the organization that we're prepared for that. And it's not just the hospital. The same thing is happening in the installation, in the garrison, in the three core. We've set up a crisis action team. I mean, there are people right now working on plans for what to do if, if contingency A happens, if contingency B happens. Depending on what happens, we are trying to put together plans. And what I was saying earlier was that this is happening here at the Department of Defense, but mm-hmm. it's happening across the entire government. And so we can argue and, and about one or two, like, why didn't the government do this or why didn't the government do that? But to say that the government, that our government, the U.S. government, has not taken the coronavirus threat seriously is, is wrong. I mean, we have, there is tremendous stuff happening. And if you don't, even if you don't see it, reading it in a paper that it's not happening doesn't mean it isn't happening. It is happening out there. I, I really truly believe that we, that we are about as prepared as we can get to deal with this coronavirus outbreak. I mean, there are going to be outbreaks. There are going to be little flares here and there across the country. Mm-hmm. But I think we are actually well prepared. Well, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes in preparation that, I mean, isn't broadcast out there. We're not sharing every step of the process in how we get prepared. But being that scenarios have been run through and, you know, you are preparing, let me drop this on you because I know people outside the gate are wondering this. And he, there was a cough and it was right into the elbow exactly <laughs> like it should be. You, you walked the walk, sir. Nailed it. You absolutely walked the walk. <laughs> but my, my question is, let's say somebody, for scenario A, someone inside the gate has coronavirus. Does the world end? What happens? No. In fact, uh, if they're not sick enough to be hospitalized, they go home just like everybody else. They take the appropriate precautions, wearing a mask around their home, washing their hands regularly, not uh, violating the social distance between them and their family members. And if their condition worsens, they can present back to the emergency department. Or if they call and they weren't ambulatory, they couldn't move on their own. We could come get them. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is not much difference uh, for somebody testing positive for corona and another flu. And so, again, just because you are positive, if that were to happen, it doesn't mean you'll be hospitalized. We're going to hospitalize the sickest of people when it becomes uh, life-threatening. But we're, we're otherwise going to let you go back home and intake fluids, eat when you can, um, you know, and take care of yourself appropriately. Um, and again, I think Colonel Finder mentioned that on a scale of other types of infectious diseases, this, the attack rate of this one is much lower. Um, and, and as uh, some people who have reported who were healthier, didn't have co-occurring me- uh, medical problems, didn't have, um, you know, problems with immunosuppressants, they're likely to have a relatively mild case of the flu uh, compared to other types of flu. Um, and we're going to treat them accordingly. So we're not turning you away. We're not under-treating you. We are taking care of you at the same standard of care that we would for any other outbreak. Um, and it's really important for people to know that, that this is no different. So we have people who don't meet the criteria for COVID-19, have never traveled outside the United States, don't know if they've come in contact with somebody else and have normal flu symptoms. And they'll, and they'll say, I demand the test. And we'll say, you know, sir, ma'am, you don't need that testing. We're not trying. It's not because it's not available to our health community. Mm-hmm. You know, between us and our local partners, there are tests available for you if you meet those criteria. Um, and again, we'll ask subjective questions. 
You know, does any member of your family have the flu? Did you travel recently in the United States on vacation? And how do you typically respond to those trips physiologically? And, uh, and this sounds like that's what's going on with you. Um, yeah, yeah, you're not going to get a biopsy if you don't present signs for a problem. Right. You can't just walk into the doc and say, doc, biopsy my liver. Yes, you know? give me this diagnosis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, nobody wants to be sick and no one's going to ask for diagnosis. That's a perfect metaphor, actually. Yeah. So, well, I, I aim to please. Um, <laughs> on, the, uh, on the outside of the gate stereo, well, what if somebody, because there's a fella in Houston that's got it. Actually, uh, just to correct you, because things oh, happen so do. fast. Fact-based. There's now 11 people in Houston. Okay, there's, a, there's a, a, a large family in Houston. All of them, though, have traveled recently from Italy. All right. So thanks, Italy. Um, let's say it somehow made it to here. All right. Somehow made it outside and clean. Once again, do we panic? What happens? Is the sky falling? Do we do we shut the gates and, and lock everything down? Absolutely not. I mean, your kids can come to the CDC. Your children can attend the on-post schools. Um, of course, all the officials of those organizations are, are very mindful of keeping those locations clean uh, again, if your kid is sick, don't send them to child care. Your, organ, your command will understand if you need to stay home with your sick child as opposed to dropping them at the CDC or dropping them off at high school. Um, we are not going to expose our public to risks unnecessarily. If there was a time where we needed to contain something, the public would be informed. So there's no, uh, just like any other illnesses, Colonel Finder mentioned, where we're going to behave differently than we normally do. There's just much a lot of attention to this, so, you know, so... And you can keep eating Chinese food and Italian food if you like right, it. You know, fantastic. I mean, like I don't Sweet. think I don't think you have to be afraid of that either. But uh, there are people who are concerned about those things, and you know, we get calls for a variety of issues. And of course, when in doubt, instead of speculating or turning to the social media, I would call the hotline or I would ask a professional in your community that you see normally and say, so you know, if you're a betting man or woman and I have these things going on, what should I be concerned about? What should I do? And the basics are lots of hand washing, don't touch your face, uh, stay away from people who are sick, not meaning you hide from them, but you keep an appropriate distance. If somebody's coughing, you know, you, you know, stay six feet away. Sure. And, and I would also add, don't believe everything you read on the internet. I've and just recently in the last few days have seen things pop up on Facebook where people related to me, I'm not going to name names, mom, but <laughs> shared things that I had to contact them and say, this is not true. Please don't, don't share this because I'm just absolutely shocked at how much information people get from memes and random internet posts from just people not medical professionals just people so is the is the thinking right now that this is going to become like a a regular seasonal flu or that's a good question my suspicion this is again my theory yeah, just your my opinion. thinking mm -hmm. is that this is going to get uh, so there's a lot of there's a lot of viruses that cause flu-like symptoms cold-like symptoms. There's rhinoviruses. There's other coronaviruses. There are, you know, there are got adenoviruses. Yeah, this this isn't the coronavirus. It's it is one of many coronaviruses one of, one, that exist. One of many. So my thinking is that in the future, we will probably get sick and you go get a panel done and it will include a coronavirus and every once in a while it will be a coronavirus that caused you to get sick. It will be this coronavirus. Or, not, or maybe not. 
Right. A lot depends on how well this coronavirus mutates. So the flu mutates all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, every year we have different strains of the flu. That's just more different mutations. And they usually are benign. Um, so most viruses mutate a little bit. That's why we have hundreds of different kinds of adenoviruses. That's why we have hundreds of different kinds of coronaviruses. It's just most coronaviruses affect other animals. They don't affect humans. It's like five coronaviruses that affect humans. That's interesting. This is the sixth one. Uh, so we probably down the f- in the future we'll get sick again and in flu season you'll go in you'll get tested it may not be the flu it may be a, a rhinovirus but there'll be a list of the viruses that cause it and this will be one of those that because now that we can test for it we'll test for it into the future well you said the anticipation was that in the summer just like the flu and colds and stuff it's going to let up so should we be actually thankful this year that it gets so gosh darn hot in texas I think that's true. Absolutely. The reason that is is that flu, uh, flu viruses and, and all viruses, especially these kind, uh, don't last very long in the outside environment. And so the hotter it is, the quicker they degrade. Okay. So as it gets hot, when it gets to be, that's why you don't get the flu in Texas when it's 90 degrees or hotter outside. So why are they saying that in, when large organizations are canceling major events? And I would say that, um, you know, in the case of South by Southwest, which is relatively close to Fort Hood, um, it's simple. They expect a lot of international travel with that, and uh, and they don't know have the ability to control their community like an installation would, and uh, and so they have to address a number of factors that they can't control. And I think also they're just being very very conservative. Um, risk averse is, I think, the proper term. Yeah. They're just very risk averse. Why take a chance? And they have the ability to get ahead of that right now um, before there's a problem. And I, I, I applaud them for that. But that is a measure that uh, uh, that we don't necessarily have to take. Uh, I mean, we're already getting ahead of it by battle drilling, by putting out good information, by following the CDC guidelines strictly, um, by reminding our community how to manage their own care, and uh, and then updating that information as we get it. Um, and so we, we are drilling in anticipation of something that might require that kind of decision-making. But as far as uh, the military community, Fort Hood community, and, and our government through, via the Centers for Disease Control has not told us that that is a necessary thing that we have to do. If we were to reach that threshold, we could do that. Well, and that's because, you know, in the Army, we always train like we're going to war. Even if there's not a war that we're planning to go to, we Another still... Good metaphor. There yeah, is. we still pretend like there is. Just in case. Well, I know you guys have really kind of answered a lot of my questions that I had because with everything that's being said in the media, it it seems like you're just getting so many different messages telling you so many different things. And you guys have absolutely cut right through the middle of that and delivered us the straight talk. No junk. It has been a real pleasure. And uh, hopefully the community gets a lot out of this. I know I did, Charles. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, we will be back with more. Right after this. this. I was going to say that. 
Hey golfers, are you looking for a new course to play? The Courses of Clear Creek is a 27-hole course with challenging greens located in the scenic rolling hills of Fort Hood. With a 300-yard driving range, two putting greens, and a four-hole kids course, we're the premier golf course in Central Texas. Our pro shop is always stocked with the latest golfing equipment and name brand apparel, while our beautiful pavilion overlooking the course is a great place to enjoy a cold beverage. The Courses of Clear Creek, open to the public, offering annual, monthly, and summer membership packages. Give us a call today at 254-287-4130 or find us on the web at hood.armymwr.com. Fort Hood's Great Big Podcast, saving you from coronavirus since February 20th, 2020. And we're back. Oh, back from the brink. Yes, we are. That's, you know, when we first had uh, the the first coronavirus story on the podcast, right? I really didn't think that we'd come back covering it again. Yeah, we're still talking about it. I think we'll be talking about it for a while. Yeah. I too. think it's here to stay. Me too. You know who, who is not here to stay? Brianna Du. Brianna Du. Who is away in Europe. Defender 20. But we are joined by specialist Aisha Little. That's right. Hey, everybody. I'm leaving on Sunday, though, to Defender also. I know Um, we're losing everybody to Defender. (laughs) So when you leave, we will henceforth call you Chicken. Oh, yeah. Chicken Little. Mm -hmm. Yes. Remember me when I come back now. Don't be all famous. You're gonna be or famous. Podcast famous. You're gonna you're gonna call in from Defender Twenty, right? Oh, that's right. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Thank so you. many people making so many empty promises. Yeah. Well, you know, we have to. We don't out have sight, like, out phone mind, lines. Mid. We have to like. Oh yeah, they don't have phones in Europe. I forgot Europe. about out that. Out of sight, out of mind, man. You know how it is. I know. So I, I have know. to get you. I have to like record some stuff for y'all. So will that be the first time you're going overseas? This is my first time. Wow. Yes. I'm excited. Taking the big flight over the Atlantic? Yes. You don't you don't mind flying, right? I don't think I do, but I've never flown. I, this is like nine, ten hours. Oh, yeah, that takes a yeah. while. It's a, yeah, it's a trip. It's a haul, yeah, especially from Texas. And we Texas. in an economy. My knee's kind of bad. I'm going to have to. Uh, so so I, I pose this question to you, being yes. that it is, is this your first time flying? No, it's not my first time flying, but nine hours, yes. All right, so for a long flight like this. Correct. So what I have for you is... Mm-hmm. Fish or chicken? Fish or chicken? Yeah. Fish or chicken. Oh, and bring a donut. What? That don't even go together. No. But I'll, I'll take... Not fish and on, chicken. If it's on a flight, if it's on a flight, I'll take chicken. Yeah, well, where else would it be? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm so confused. The, the, donut, <laughs> the donut I'm talking about, if you're in economy, you're kind of jammed in there, right? And you're yes. going to be sleeping either on somebody's shoulder oh, yeah. drooling. It's that little neck thing that goes around and snaps under your I chin. I did get one of those, but the fish are chicken. That's on your carry-on. Snap to it. You know, you can bring snacks now, too. Oh, oh yeah. really? Beef oh, jerky. Hmm. I'm you know, that something. then. Yeah. So do y'all usually download movies and stuff when y'all go overseas? No, I'm not of the generation where I've downloaded stuff, so then I watch this digital media. They're going to have something for you to watch. They're going to have the airplane movies, in-flight entertainment, as they say. They'll they'll charge you for internet. You can have internet access. They'll have Wi-Fi. Thank you. As long as you're willing to pay for it. 
Yeah, really? They got, yeah, they got that now. You can do something yeah, like... Well, that's commercial flight. You don't know about maybe a charter. Is this a military? Yeah, it's a military charter. Probably. But I, these are... We're flying... You're flying commercial. If I tell you, I have No, to don't tell me. Don't tell me. <laughs> you're, but you are, you're flying commercial. Wow. Nice. Swanky. How the military has changed since I was in. I think it's because it's a training exercise, you know. They're trying to make sure we're tip-top shape. When I was in the military, they just tied you to a weather balloon. And <laughs> sent you off. Put you off in that direction, <laughs> fanned the air. Okay. Military memories. That's true. Yeah. So. You're old. I, Not as old as me, though. Well, I got the, I got some white hair. Yeah, you do. I got some white hair. You what do you think of his uh, mutton chops? I was going to say, like, like, he's these? growing uh-huh. his hair out. Yeah, I they have <laughs> no color. They are completely right. white. Uh, it's my Neil Young style. Okay. Going okay. on right there. Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sorry. Y'all like nice and neat. Oh, wait. I'm a little concerned coming out of the coronavirus into specialist little yeah. now. I'm, I'm <laughs> saying, I don't have a fever. Do you have trouble breathing? I don't have trouble breathing. All right. Have you been to any countries with coronavirus recently? No, but I'm scared going to Germany. So, you know, since we're going to Germany, Germany has, like, canceled so many events and told people, like, not to come. Over a 1,000. If it's over a 1,000 people, they're not doing well, it. Well, we have, too, and we don't even have it. Right. We had a big event happening here, the Sierra concert. That got canceled. And they also canceled um, South by Southwest in Austin. Yeah. Had, big... You listen to the podcast when you're not on the podcast? I do listen to the podcast That's, when I'm not well, on the podcast. Well, first off, we love you. And second, <laughs> you. do you Thank remember you. when we had the drill sergeants in here and they I were do. yelling and all that? Well, mm-hmm. that was for a purpose. We had the basic training experience come here. Yeah, we did. Uh, to oh, Fort gosh. Hood. Yeah. And Dave and I went out there and... Partook, well, we didn't partake. No, but we, we did not. Witnessed. We we bore witness. We got up close and personal with the oh, video the camera. I was about yeah, to say, who did. wants to go to basic training twice? Oh uh, no, not no, me. no, right. no, no. People, yeah, no, I'm good. Some people, I I don't think uh, the general public realizes that, but there's sort of like a basic training hierarchy where, like, if you're in the army and then switch to the navy. You don't have to go to basic training again. Right. You but should. if you were in the Navy and switched to the Army, yeah, you got to go through basic you training should. again. Yep. There is a hierarchy. So, no, I wouldn't want to go through twice. I did that. I paid my dues. Me too. Yeah. Do, you, do you have any uh, basic training memories you'd like to share with us, Specialist Little? There was like... There was like a candy scandal in our. They were like smothering candy. You know, people were getting paid. Ooh. Like a big candy, <laughs> candy <laughs> smuggling. Yeah, candy yeah. and snacks, especially in the boys' dorms or barracks. Well, Dave and I went out there. We've all got all sorts of different basic training memories. Oh, Everybody yeah. that's experienced it has those memories. Dave and I went out there uh, where kids were getting their first taste of basic training, and we recorded it. Dave was on video camera mm-hmm. for everyone's posterity. So we'd like to share with you, our listeners, a taste of what that basic training experience was like. Okay, so here we are on the field, our first little outside the office soiree. Dave's on camera. Yes, I am. I'm on the, uh, the mic. Hey, so it's very exciting. If you're just listening to this, you probably can't tell, but I'm growing sideburns. If you're seeing this on Facebook, you also probably can't tell that I'm growing sideburns. But I am right there. Yeah, this is, 
Exciting. So we got some buses coming up today. They're full of kids that have no idea uh, what's waiting for them. The hell of basic training. And it's a good kind of hell. The kind of hell that you want to go to at the end. Maybe it's the kind that you want to get away from. I know that's debatable. We'll find out why we'll these kids, uh, what they, they think about it while they're doing it. Because, I don't know. Oh, the first bus is coming up there now. The bus is pulling up. It has stopped. The doors are opening. All right. Hey, I'm having flashbacks to our Daveless podcast right now. Oh, those kids. Oh. I gotta admit, they're not moving with uh, with purpose here. Oh, now they go. There they go. Listen to that. Excuse me, sir. Uh, how are you finding this experience so far? Very tiring, sir. That's all in the mind. Right. What are you hoping to gain from this? To be the state chance again, sir. Get this over with. All right. And uh, how do you feel overall about the elections going on today? Do you think there'll be a big turnout, or do you think it's going to be a wash here in Texas? Be a big turnout. Might be surprised. Good. How old are you? 16. You looking forward to voting someday? Yes, sir. All right, fantastic. Now there's some really, really great looking drill instructors walking up and down amongst the running people, yelling at them. And the odd thing is, looking around, I see quite a bit of untied shoes. That seems to me like a safety issue. But I guess if you're running in place, that's not such a big thing. But it is an odd thing if your chant is uh, attention to detail. Because that would belie a lack of attention to detail. But whatever, they're high school kids. Hey Barnes, get over here. Maybe y'all remember Barnes. He was on uh, last uh, the podcast last time. You know, you, uh, how long have you been out of basic training, Barnes? It's been about a year and a half. Right. How does it feel being around so many drill instructors and seeing people get smoked and all that? Um, definitely brings back memories that I would like to not relive, so I'm trying to just do my job and not focus on all of this. Yeah, but isn't it also kind of fun to just point and laugh? Yeah, I mean, when you've been there, it's just, you understand, you understand the struggle. Yeah, and that's part of what this is about. I mean, yeah, it's it's a bit about physical fitness and all that, but you're also unified in your misery, and that makes you a cohesive team. Going through that junk together makes you work better together. It really does. Shared trauma, I think, is the best bonding. That's the thing that brings people together. You know? Yeah, that could actually be a really good motto for the Army, I think. U.S. Army, come share our trauma. Share the trauma. It's better than army people. I'm just saying. What is that even supposed to mean? Army people. What's your warrior? What's your warrior? What is your warrior? What is your warrior, Barnes? 
Trauma, I think. <laughs> trauma, there you go. There we have it. For the life of me, although it's amusing to watch, I can't imagine why you would, as a high school student, be like, yeah, this seems like a good way to spend my afternoon. Anything to get out of school, I guess. Well, it's the morning, too. That's true. That's true. You don't make good decisions in the morning. Nobody does. You could be in physics right now. Like these kids? Yeah, all right. Maybe. I kid. They could be in physics. It's just eh, not likely. By the way, that's a Fort Hood PAO at gmail.com if you'd like to talk to me about whether these kids are in physics or not. You know what? Let's just find out. Let's just find out. Hey, excuse me. Are you taking a physics class this year? Uh, no, sir, I'm not. Anything close to physics? I'm in chemistry. Chemistry, that's kind of like physics, only it's not. All right, well, that's very cool. So, chemistry, that, I mean, that's in case the football career thing doesn't work out, he could work at a drugstore. So, good for that. You know, it's always good to have a plan. Sergeant Betts, you're yes, back. Back again. All right, so now we're here. Before we just talked about this conceptually and yelled at a, uh, a news reporter. Yes, sir. Now, uh, now that it's actually going on, how's it going? Oh, I was going pretty good. As you can tell, the base training experience, drill sergeants are really getting after them right now. Uh, appreciate the comments from uh, General Efflon. That was an amazing speech. Uh, so right now what you're about to see is pretty much uh, more of the team building uh, concept. And then once we're done, we'll move down to the every obstacle course. And how long does this whole experience last? Uh, we're estimating right now an hour and a half. An hour and a half or just straight up? Uh, it's one hour, sorry. One hour. One hour. Correcting, because we are fact-based here on the podcast. So one hour of straight up exercise, and then when, what lies in wait for these, these students? Um, once they're done there, we're going to bring them back here for one last team building event. Mm -hmm. And then once that's complete, they can go over here and check out the 56 MOSs that we have, uh, career opportunities in the Army, uh, to get an experience, to see it, touch it, uh, and feel it all day long. Is there going to be somebody over there signing people up at the end of the line as they pass if, through the gift if, shop? If they choose to, they will. They have an opportunity. All right. Awesome. Well, you know, since I got you here, I'll let you give one more recruiting pitch if anybody listening <laughs> to this or watching, if I use this on Facebook, who knows. Uh, if they want to sign up, what do they got to do? Uh, they can come by the Harker Heights Recruiting Center and they can contact Sergeant First Class Zuniga, which is standing right there. He is the station commander. Wave at us, Zuniga. Wave. Yeah, so we're located over in Market Heights, uh, over by the Navy Federal and AT&T. All right, and what if you're not from around here? What if you're listening in Zimbabwe? All right, so if you're not around here, go to GoArmy.com and um, type in your zip code, and it will uh, put you with a recruiter in your local area. All right, awesome. Thank you. I'll let you get back to uh, harassing people. All right, All right thank yes, you. Mm -hmm. All right, thank you. Yeah, that was it. That uh, was it. Oh, wow. That was what the basic, how was that? It was traumatizing. <laughs> it brought back memories. I can hear. I can. I have visions of my old drill sergeant now in my head. Do you? That, that never leaves you. I, you know, I'll be honest. I can't remember my drill sergeant. What? I saw one of my drill sergeants. Did drill sergeant Smith. He's yes. He's he was here last week, but he was one of the cooler ones. He was a real cool drill sergeant, actually. Staff what? sergeant Smith. Was he? Uh, was he proud of you? He was. You know, because. You know, basic training gets you all nice and fit. So I felt like <laughs> <laughs> I felt like in his head, he didn't say this, but I felt like he was like, Oh little, 
I didn't recognize you. Your face looks a little swollen. Like if I was reading his head, that's what he was. was Well, you know, he probably didn't think that at all. He probably thought, how did she find me? Yes. Yes. That was, that was probably so too. I have to escape. Oh yeah. Yeah. Staff Sergeant Smith, if you're listening, that's one cool drill sergeant. What? Staff Sergeant Smith? Cool officially a cool drill sergeant. You heard it here on the Great Big Podcast. Hopefully he's listening. Hopefully. I'm gonna tell him. He's not from Fort Hood, but I'll tell him. And if he's not, why not? Why not? Why not? We have listeners in Texas. We have listeners in Kansas. We have listeners in Florida. Washington DC. We have listeners in Europe. One in Australia. Yes. Australia, Australia, Japan, yeah, everywhere. International. We are kind of a big thing <laughs> is what we are. Kind of nice. a big thing. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are all going to go green together. Green's my favorite color, actually. Well, that's good. Well, you're, you're rocking army. it today, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Why, thank you. <laughs> kind of an you army thing. every day. <laughs> kind of an army thing. What does resiliency mean to you? For the folks at Fort Hood Resiliency Campus, resiliency is helping folks help themselves. The campus offers a wide range of programs, each aimed at assisting Fort Hood units and individuals in need of morale and team building opportunities. Through programs like the Applied Fitness Center, Military Life Counselors, the Army Wellness Center, Nutrition Clinic, and the Warrior Quest Adventure Program, The Resiliency Campus Headquarters is located on the fifth floor of the Shoemaker Center on Darnall Loop. To find out more about what the Fort Hood Resiliency Campus can offer you, look them up on Facebook or give them a call at 254-285-5693. With the theme, We Can Do It and She Did, Fort Hood observes Women's History Month with an hour-long program at 11.30 a.m. March 19th in the Phantom Warriors Center. The event is hosted by the Three Corps and 11 Tactical Signal Brigade's Equal Opportunity Office and features guest speaker, retired Command Sergeant Major Jacqueline Fountain, the first female Command Sergeant Major in the U.S. Army's Chemical Corps and is still serving today in the greater Fort Hood community as a member of the Harker Heights City Council. Stop by the Phantom Warrior Center March 19th at 11.30 a.m. as Fort Hood pays homage to Women's History Month. Honoring the past, securing the future. Fort Hood's Great Big Podcast, now available at those fancy schmancy streaming sites. Hello, welcome to Fort Hood's Greatest Podcast. Hold on there, The lady. Great Big Podcast. Hold oh. on, lady. But it's the greatest Wait. great big podcast. That's right, that's right. We're 14 seconds into the segment and I've already lost control of it. This is a great sign. Well, that's what happens when women are in the room. Yes. That's true. <laughs> We're in control. Too Always. much estrogen? Is and it's Women's History Month. It's Women's History Day. It International is. Women's History Day. So I think that was That was actually earlier. yesterday. Yeah, it was earlier in the week. Oh, We're going to make it a week. Just We're going to make today. it the whole week. Yeah, the whole week. Just like just our birthday. International month, Women's the month, Week. The month. Why the month of celebration. The year of the woman. We give, we give years decade. to monkeys. We give years the to century. cows. That's true. It's actually the year of the rat. Mm-hmm. Last year was the year of the pig. I know these things. So if you were like woke, <laughs> maybe 
let little do the entire interview, right? Yeah, that's cool. All right, you guys. You got this, little. I'm taking the headset off, and I'm leaving. Bye. No, <laughs> come back. We're just going to have a chit-chat. We're just talking about all kinds of stuff. We can talk about whatever we want to talk about. Because it's women's history. Exactly. <laughs> it's our month. It's our day here. Okay. So, we really talking about whatever we want to talk about? We should have had, like, coffee cups and tea, like, mm-hmm. sipping tea with the ladies. I don't know. Um, how is it being pregnant with twins? It is amazing. Um, both of them have their personalities. Yes. So we have Wyatt that's on top, and we have Logan on the bottom. Wyatt is like his father, so he's a little wild. Um, he has the same taste in music as his father. Loves classical music. Okay. I mean, not classical. My bad. Classical rock. rock. I was thinking that, but I was like, ooh, fancy. Logan has right. my taste of music okay, and I'm like back. classical music. I'm back. Have we lost all our uh, audience yet? Is, <laughs> is Dave still with us? Dave in Florida, are you there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah, is yeah, actually the Real Housewives of Fort Hood. So oh, I love in. that. The Real Housewives Ooh, of Fort Hood. That. That's probably already a, a Facebook think, group. Yes, it probably is. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. Complaining about us right kind now. Kind of obsessed. Okay. So... How'd, how'd that work out for everyone? Are we done with the segment? Can we go to break? Oh, no. We got to talk. <laughs> Tell us what we're I got to talk. I thought you were talking. <laughs> no. All right. Well, today we are here. You know, that was a nice little bit of levity after after we went, what we went through at the, the beginning of the podcast with the coronavirus update and everything. So it's good to have fun. It's good to let go. We can't get too wound up life must go on you know one way or the other right you're right that's right so that's why we have some special people here today to talk about going green right before saint patrick's day the greenest day of the year yes but we want to make sure that everybody does their part to go green every day and make every day earth day but unfortunately, we encounter challenges on Fort Hood. So we need everybody to do their part, from the soldiers to the families to the kiddos. And one of the biggest things, that's the easiest thing you can do, is recycle. So. Yes. That's great. Tell us who you are. <laughs> oh, I am Christine. I'm the environmental outreach coordinator. I know that. But, but they all the cool kids know me as the Bacon Ninja. Yeah. So, yes. I was trying to figure out how I knew her, my kids. <laughs> See? <laughs> so, if wait, you're wait, kids, hold on. famous. She's hold famous. on, hold on. What is a bacon ninja? Bacon is the candy of all meats, and that's my other alias, the bacon ninja. If you go out and do a presentation and introduce yourself as Christine from the environmental division, they're not going to remember me. Boring. But if you introduce yourself as the bacon ninja, every time they see a pack of bacon, they have breakfast, they're going to be thinking about that environmental chip. You so know, I'm just leaving my mark in the community. We're going to have the weirdest title for this piece ever. <laughs> Coronavirus <laughs> update and the bacon ninja. Bam. Yeah. And the panda ninja. Yes. And are you a panda ninja? Yep. It's my favorite animal. We got all sorts of ninjas on the show today. Hi. This is the Panda Ninja, also known as Jacqueline Ferrer Perez, and I am the sustainability program manager for the installation. That was exciting. You, you know, you're right though that Panda Panda Ninja sounds better. That's the one. That's the one that needs to go on the old resume. All right, fine. All right. So you were saying about 
being green not just one day a year, yes, but continuously. Every day. You just need to really look and examine at what you do at home and at work. And it's as simple as, you know, examining the products that are using. If you have a plastic bottle, making sure to put it in the recycle bin. You print something, you don't need those documents. Again, putting it in the recycle bin, you leave the room, turn off the lights. Simple things we can do every day. But unfortunately, our team members at Fort Hood Recycle encounter challenges every day. Um, they see so much contamination, everything from deer heads to turkeys to live ammunition, needles, um, U.S. flags that are thrown and dumped incorrectly in the blue bins. So, you know, we have an awesome app where you can search more than 600 items and it can tell you, hey, is this something that you can put in the blue bin, something you can take to Fort Hood Recycle, or an item that has to be trashed, or if there's an opportunity for that item to be reused. So we have resources available, but we just need everybody to do their part. But unfortunately, we're just seeing decreases in the amount of items that are being recycled and seeing more trash in our recycled containers instead. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because we have a listener who's been hounding me for quite a while because uh, a little bit ago we had uh, Pearl on here. Yes. Um, one of our guest hosts who made the statement that once you put a deer head or that animal into recycling, you've contaminated the whole thing. It can't be used. And they keep asking me, is that true? Is that true? So I posed to yeah, you. Yeah, it, it is true. If you think about it, the blood and all the other guts and stuff from deer heads and other animals go out there. It's just contaminated all that other product. So that's something that cannot be recycled. So when we have that, or we have sharps and needles, we'll have loose needles that will come through a load. So we have to push the entire load off the belt. And that's money that we're pushing off the belt into the landfill. You know, average each year, Fort Hood Recycle gives $100,000 directly to the Fort Hood community to sponsor Month of the Military Child, Easter Egg Hunt, Single Soldiers Fest, UFC Fight Nights. And the biggest thing that the area enjoys is the fireworks celebration. But think about how much more we could be able to give back to the community if people just put the right things in the blue bin or in their recycle containers and not contaminate that. You know, as much trash that's being generated across Fort Hood, I believe Fort Hood Recycle is the second largest generator on the installation because of how much trash that we get at Fort Hood Recycle. So do you sort the recycling there? Because I'm thinking that's what people must be thinking is that they can just dump whatever into here, and you guys will sort it out. Is that how it works? How does, so it's not that everything. Happen? You know, single stream does not mean everything. Single stream means all recyclable items, the five common items. So that is your plastic products, your cardboard, paper, metal cans, and your glass bottles. Those are the items we want either in the blue bins, uh, blue containers across the installation, or the recycle bins that are in family housing. Now, when you put everything in there and you think, oh, someone's just going to sort through it. No, we do sort through it, but it takes time away from that processing. And again, you have those contamination challenges. So what we're calling that is wish cycling. People are wishing that this is something, oh, they'll take it. And it's not. And we all need to do our part to help out. That blows my mind that, that someone would take an American flag and dump it into a recycling bin, especially on a military installation where 
I thought we had more respect for the American flag than yeah, that. Yeah, and you know, we're not seeing just the little American flags. We're seeing the full, full standard size. side I don't American think they know flags. what to do with it, though. I actually just saw, a, saw an article on it, and it, the Boy Scouts said you're supposed to burn it. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah. that's the proper sp- way to ceremony. retire the flag. Yes. And the Boy Scouts will work with an organization. So if we ever encounter at Fort Hood Recycle um, more flags that are dumped, our team members will pull them aside and we have that connection with them. So they'll help to properly retire those colors. But you can also take those flags to like your local VFW, uh, American Legion Club, and I believe your Moose Lounge. And they'll do the the proper ceremony to retire those flags. You never just want to throw the flag you mean the in mo- the tray. The Moose Lodge. Lodge. Right? You said I'm Moose sorry. Lounge. That's I'm right. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so that's that, that's a, that uh, pregnancy brain right there. <laughs> the those moose cells. Lounge. You've just given somebody a great bar name. I'll <laughs> yes. tell you that. So you know, talking about contamination and and us sorting it here on the installation. I think one really good way to keep in mind of how to do it properly is first, you know, educate yourself. And there's plenty of information out there available for people to do it correctly. And also, whenever you you throw something into that bin, think to yourself, would you want to handle that? Would you be okay with handling that? Because these people are up there on those conveyor belts, picking things out with their hands. And I mean, yes, they have gloves on, but I mean, sharps go through, can go through those gloves. I mean, we talk about ammunition and there are so many safety issues that are occurring right now, putting our hardworking people in harm's way when it's not necessary. And so that's our the, the biggest concern that we have at Recycle. Yeah, we want to tackle these uh, contamination issues, but we all we also want everybody to be safe. I mean, that's the first and foremost. And so keep that in mind. There's so I want to be honest. Yeah, please. Because they say the truth will set you free. I have a recycling bin, but I don't use it unless I have Amazon boxes. So, and the only reason I do use my recycling bin is because it's there, you know, because they made it, they made it, they made me think about it. But prior to being on Fort Hood, being off post and then coming here, I wasn't recycling. Well, I'll tell you, you'll be speaking for a lot more people if you project more into the microphone. Okay. That's good. (laughs) Okay. Now you're speaking for a whole lot more people. You're really representing now. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So you're saying that Fort Hood recycle by giving you the recycling bin made you think about recycling correct before me meeting bacon ninja and the babies <laughs> yes um and i was definitely bits. not a recycler before well wow, so you said you do the amazon boxes but not glass or plastic um no not usually because but like she said like she said this is this is the thing we i'm a millennial when you know 2020 you have to think think about <laughs> so you're saying if so, it were e- an easier process, then maybe more people would participate. It's a I, box. How does it get easier than that? I think it's. I think you all are doing the right thing by making it a part of the culture. Because what did people do before they had trash cans? They burned their trash until they, they made them say, hey, put it in the trash can and we'll take it to the garbage truck. So just by um, things like this and Bacon Ninja, Panda Ninja, like making it fun and a part of, people's daily lives that's how it's going to get better because it's it's something new it's something not relatively new but it's um it's a it's a lifestyle it's about being conscious about your environment not it's not just recycling it's bigger than recycling and I think once you get that then you start being like oh this can I'll put it in here um and not being lazy about it it's an effort it's definitely an effort 
And, you know, I say one of the things that we do for a lot of our presentations that I think really hits home, whether it's with students or with soldiers and families, is one of the items I have is actually an older Coca-Cola bottle, one of the glass bottles, and it's about 60 years old. Mm -hmm. And what's so unique about this bottle, it's from the um, Cardamsey site. So when they were building that facility and digging up the ground, they found a bunch of trash and litter from 60 years ago. So I always take that to presentations, and I always have... Adults and children try to break the bottle in half with their hands. And no one, no one can. It's that thicker glass. Mm-hmm. And it, it hits them when I say, how long do you think it would take for this glass bottle to decompose, to completely disappear if we just left it here on the ground and we didn't pick up? So, you know, a few people say 500 years, 1,000 years. And once I tell them it takes a million years, that's when the light bulb goes off. So think about it. We have this one planet. We only have so much space. We really need to rethink our actions. And if we are producing, you know, items that can be recycled, then let's recycle and do our part. Because, you know, everything from the metal cans to the plastic bottles, those things might take 50, 100, 200 years if we just continue to throw that into the landfill. You know why that that bottle takes so long to break down and why people can't break it with their hands is that's because 60 years ago we made stuff with quality. Once you bought, (laughs) once you bought a a Coke bottle, I mean, that was it for life. You had your Coke bottle and now, you know, you're having to buy a new Coke bottle every two years. There's the new model that comes out. You you have to have the new one. (laughs) You know, one way to, um, I mean, we encourage recycling whenever we can, if you're purchasing single use items, but really, um, the best way to, to kind of approach this is by making more responsible uh, choices as a consumer. And so uh, minimizing those, those purchases of single-use plastics is, is probably, you know, the better option kind of to stay ahead of it. Um, so that's another thing to consider, too, is if you're not going to recycle, then maybe you can do reusable bottles and things like that. So. Well, that's really great. Now, you said that there is an app that people can get that they can turn to if they don't know whether whatever they have should be recycled. Yes, and it's simple. It's Fort Hood Recycle, three words. You know, you download the app. You have more than 600 items listed. You'll search it. It'll provide you directions to our facility, hours of operation, phone numbers, and then has that list of items. Now, if that item is not listed, it gets submitted to our management team. They review, and they're constantly updating the app. So we appreciate all the feedback that we can get from our stakeholders. Well, that's fantastic. So people listening, you got no excuse. No excuse at all. Download that app. I assume it's available on the App Store and from Google as well. Yes. So no excuses. Get that app. Start recycling. And don't just go green for St. Patrick's Day. Go green for life. Every Yay. day. Yay. Every day. <laughs> Exclamation mark. Exclamation mark. <laughs> All right. And with that, we will go to break. And when we come back, we'll have more wit and wisdom from your Fort Hood people, us. Ninja. Environmental ninja team. The environmental ninjas. No, you guys won't be here when we come back. Oh. We'll just be oh. Sorry. We'll be here in spirit. Yeah, there'll be a lot of bacon spirit around here. A little bacon spirit. <laughs> It sounds like a fart. (laughs) If you've got problems and feel like you just can't get answers, there's a place for you to turn. The Inspector General's Hotline. They take your issues seriously. If you're at the end of your rope and need someone to reach out to, grab a pen and take down this number. 
254-287-7209. That's 254-287-7209. The Fort Hood Office of the Inspector General. They inspect generals so you don't have to. Lermit the Sock here for the Thrift Savings Spam. Is it meat? Who knows? Cut, 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 cut. What? Flermit, baby, look at this script. Mm-hmm. It clearly says thrift savings plan. Oh, yeah. It's about saving money, not lunch meat. Not Let's lunch try this again. Got... Thanks, Steve. Flermit the Sock here for the thrift savings plan. You got it, baby. Soldiers and DOD civilians, listen up. Are you socking away a little bit of money each month in your TSP? What? You're not? <laughs> they call me crazy. The Thrift Savings Plan is a great way to make sure that you've got the supplemental income you need when you get old and wrinkly. Plus, the government can match up to 5% of your contribution. That's a free money. Make it rain, Uncle Sam. Make it rain. So look out for your future and suck some money away in the Thrift Savings Plan account. Visit www.tsp.gov for more information. You can retire like an ex-prince moving to L.A., or in my case, his wife. That's right. So, there you go. Welcome back. Welcome no, back. we're back. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of estrogen in that room, wasn't there? It was. Was it fun for you, though? It was fun, yeah. By yeah. the time y'all understand how we feel. Well, it is women's. <laughs> that's supposed to be. It's Women's History Month. It's women. That is correct. And you guys rule the universe. And mm-hmm. any Thank your moms. That- Did y'all thank y'all moms today? For being here, yeah, mom's gone. I thank my mom every you, time she I can talk hear to you. Her. That's worse. You know, oh, I think that's on. worse. She can hear and see everything now. <laughs> Are you j- Sorry, now? mom. <laughs> I got it. You're a mom, aren't you? I am. Well, it should not be news to you that moms don't have to die to know and see everything. Yeah, moms do. just know and see everything. Yeah, they do. That's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Ain't that that's the true. truth? Ain't that the truth? Well. What a wild ride we've had on this podcast, huh? Yes, we have. We have from coronavirus to recycling. Mm-hmm. So the eleven, <laughs> the eleventh Signal Brigade represented. Yes. Here you are. Yes, the best Signal Brigade. And we worldwide. are going to continue that while you're stuck over in Europe doing exercises. Is that right? Yes. 
Like yeah. you guys are gonna hear from us. We are signal. We got communication. You know I'm gonna communicate. The best thing about Eleventh Sig. What's the best thing? It's that your patch has a bird with lasers shooting out of its eyes. We're the Thunderbirds. <laughs> <laughs> that's we're the Thunderbirds. That's terribly awesome. Feel the thunder. You feel it? I'm feeling That's it. actually my I'm stomach growling, but I'm totally feeling it. Well, if anybody has any thunder in here, let me know so I can open the door. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, and waft. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, should we give the coronavirus hotline one we more? We should. It's important because you know, the, this isn't like a thing that's going to It's not going away. Week. No, and this is something that people are going to need to be vigilant of until eventually it just becomes normal. Can you believe that? Think of how crazy it is out there. in the flu, how all that was new, and then people were freaking out, and now we have a vaccine. And now eventually it's going to be one day where it's like, oh, oh, you're coming down with the coronavirus. I had to go get a shot. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just going to be a normal thing. Yeah. That's scary. I know perspective. So Army Community Health Nurse, Mm -hmm. the hotline at Carl R. Darnell Army Medical Center Mm -hmm. is 254-553-6612. And that's for if you have any questions at all, if you think you might be coming down with it. Talk your symptoms. Yeah, give them a call. And if they think they need to see you, they'll say, come on in. Their tagline, call before you go. Call so you know. I know. That's a beautiful tagline. Isn't it? Did you write that? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, I did. Yeah, that was his graphic online. It was? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I make all the pretty pictures. You rock, They gave me all 64 crayons when I got here. Oh, my gosh. I (laughs) used every single one. I believe you. Yep. All right. So, unfortunately, will you be here? No, you're flying. I am flying. Everybody's flying. Everybody's leaving me. We getting Pearl next week? You can't. You are getting Pearl next week. Yay, Pearl! <laughs> She'll be back. I can't run that. Uh, I'm not on the podcast anymore. Spot right. The one. Oh, um, yeah, you got to yank that one. Yeah. She's gonna be on. That's, it. A, that's a Sentinel promo. I'll just I mean, have her. On. I'll have her re-record it. So she says, "I'm back on the podcast. <laughs> Read the newspaper." <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, as you can tell by the music. Yeah. It's over. It's we wish over. you Godspeed. You're gonna have a great time. You will right. be back. Or more fun. I'm going to be listening in Germany. So. Hey, promote it. Promote the heck out of the podcast. A great way to stay connected, honestly. Especially yeah. since we're going to be is it millions of miles, thousands of miles away. <laughs> yeah, thousands. <laughs> nice way to, to reel yourself back in. And you tell all those Germans. Deine Schleifen, Hachemachra, Fort Hood's great big podcast. Whatever you say. That was true. Thanks for listening, y'all. Peace out. Yes, I said that. (laughs) 